You're listening to Breathe, the podcast. Hi, I'm Trisha. I'm your host. And thank you for hanging out with me for a little while today. In the studio, I am just glad and honored to have with me one of my favorite people in the mental health profession. Her name is Nicole, and she and I have some laughs and some uh, serious times that we're going to talk about today. So we'll talk about how to find your mental health professional. We have a little bit of um, what I like to call talking turkey. So a little holiday segment on how to prepare yourself and position yourself to being around a lot of people on the holidays. But first, we're going to get to know Nicole a little bit. Um, when a therapist, a counselor, and a mental health professional walk into the bar, what happens? <laughs> Thank you again for joining me on Breathe, the podcast. Yes, I am. Do you, you, you look like you need a blanket. I do. That would be very nice. So what I really want to know is how you came to become a mental health therapist, professional, licensed <laughs> social worker. <laughs> what really? Oh, I mean, started. Yeah, there was a point. <laughs> we don't have to go that far back. Okay. <laughs> no, but there, there was a point when you said, this is the career I want to go into. What did that look like for you? I don't think I actually realized it until I was like already kind of there, you know, like 18, 19, when you're still trying to figure out all the different career paths that you can yeah. take. So I was like human resources or being a lawyer. That was a far stretch, um, <laughs> but I, always just like wanting to help and talk to people. And then social work was presented to me and I was like, that would be very interesting. And so I went into that. And then I got my bachelor's as a social worker and did case management. Are you familiar with case management? I mean, more than I want to be. <laughs> so like going to people's houses and getting all their needs met that way. But I think what I found was that I was doing a lot of like more in-depth work or wanting to get to know them on a different level and yeah. why they're behaviors are this way or what's preventing them from doing things on their own and so then I made the decision to go back to get my master's nice yeah beautiful so there wasn't like some you know I mean traumatic <laughs> thing in your life that you were like okay I connect with this so much no there really wasn't but I think once I found it then I was able to start connecting the dots I'm like how my life I guess kind of led me in this direction of like always wanting to help people and kind of like looking at the deeper, more in-depth picture, I guess you would say. Nice. Yeah. So, and how long have you been in this field? Since 2013. So about 10 years now. Wow. Yeah. And you're still here. So congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, post pandemic, right? Like all the healthcare industry is like, so I just want to thank you, you know, every any healthcare worker that's out there right now because that survived COVID. Seriously, it was challenging, it, and it still continues to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's and it really. Congratulations to all humans, right? For surviving, <laughs> for yes. being really being here. So that's amazing, but but I know that that was just such a such a a crux in the 
steady, here we go, this is what we're doing day to day. And right. I can't even imagine coming out. I mean, the caseload's got to be huge. Well, I think that was an issue with everybody was, I think that need for mental health treatment just really expanded at that point. Yeah. And as people that want to help were like, yes, come in for services, come in for services. And then it's like, okay, how do we manage this and provide the best care to people if we don't have the resources or the manpower to do so? Yeah. So in Michigan, at least the last statistic I saw was that there are like some 300 to 350 people who need mental health care at some degree or another for every one practitioner. Yeah. That How do you fit wild. that into 40 hours a week? Uh, yeah, it's not possible. <sighs> that is wild to think about how many people are out there that are not getting yeah. help. What is the single most important thing we can do as a society to help that heaviness, that weight of the need for mental health care? The single I know, most there's one. important thing. There's one. That's such a hard right question because i don't think there's one thing that's going to fix it. i feel like there has to be a combination of things absolutely that happen i realized that was a facetious question Did you? yeah i just wondered how you take it you're doing pretty good right now no tears we're the doing good we're doing really good. i'm really holding back <laughs> um the single most important thing so i think one of the biggest things is is like cost mm-hmm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I see a lot of issues with insurance companies yeah. and coverage. And if there is only one therapist to every 350 people, then we have a bigger issue. And maybe it's, you know, lower college tuition for people to go and get their degree in social work. I don't really know. I just want to throw in an amen and a preach the court right there. That's there a go. really good place. And some <laughs> government issues that could maybe help people become therapists mm-hmm. sooner without maybe having to go... To all the work that Trish is going to face in a couple of years. But anyway, don't worry about that right now. <laughs> We're not worried about that right now. Talking about the bigger, the one thing I would like to say that's just seemed to change over the past few years, and we're starting to see some relief from it, is um, just talking about it, right? Oh, it's huge. Just like starting to have the conversation and remove the stigma mm-hmm. from receiving services, getting help. I mean, like, it's not bad to ask for help. Right. And I think a lot of times people just don't know how to do it. Like, that's a scary thing to ask right. for help, to be vulnerable if you've never been able to do it before. So I think that is one of the barriers we see. And now it's normalized and people probably know somebody that's in therapy that talks about it. And it kind of relieves some of that pressure a little bit to not ask for help if you see other people doing it. I can only imagine that out of that 350, there's probably got to be 50% that it's still are just like, no, no, I'm fine. Not ready yet. I'm, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. It's going to be fine. Everything's fine. Right. Or they don't think that their problems are that big of a deal. Right. I see a lot of times people think that like they're betraying maybe like family members or their partner if they go and talk about it to somebody else. Yeah. So there's all these ideas that kind of keep people from coming into can, can we talk about that for just a minute? Like, if you are in a situation where you feel like, I can't talk about this. I can't talk about this for whatever reason. It's 
it's going to hinder my relationship with them or just I'm not a person who gossips, right? I mean, right. that's got to be, I think that's part of the part of the issue in coming into a conversation with someone in the professional world and then finding like, but I'm not a gossip. What, what am, and I'm just going to tell them my everything? Mm-hmm. I mean, how... How do we work Since with you're, that? Yeah, how do you work with that? What are some of the things we can bring out? So I think that's just a false idea that's sometimes put into our head and it almost keeps things very secretive. So it doesn't allow us to talk about things that affect us or things that might not feel right and we don't know what to do with it. But if we're so scared to ask for help, then we're kind of stuck with it. And I mean, coming to therapy is not about gossiping or you know, wanting to turn on a family member. It's just about understanding how things affect you and now how we're allowing those things to impact different parts of our lives. Talking about it is not gossip. There's a, there's confidentiality clause, right? There is. We cannot tell unless, oh, do we have to go over this? Unless okay, there's the a risk brief, of some yeah. or to yourself. That's the only time. But that's where you would want someone to intervene. Because you probably aren't able to intervene on your own, right? right. Like, help me. I can't say it. <laughs> I can't take myself to care, but maybe you can make a call for me. Sometimes mm-hmm. we're at that point. And you know what? I just want to say that's okay too. Right. Like that is, it's okay. It's okay to recognize where you are in your journey and realize I need help and it's beyond what I can do. Right. You don't have the knowledge, you don't have the experience, or it's just been normalized for so long Yeah, that it's really hard to get out of that mindset or that cycle. I'm sure you can see why I just adore Nicole. She is absolutely brilliant. And we'll have more from Nicole in just a few minutes, but as normal, This is the moment in our podcast where we actually take time to breathe, to consider yourself. So for this little practice, I'm going to ask you to put your one hand on your heart and the other hand um, kind of over your belly button and just check in, check in with yourself. Is there anything that needs to be addressed? Are there stresses, worries, concerns? Are there missed opportunities for joy? Do you just need to sit with yourself for just a moment and speak words of life over yourself? So say to yourself, friend, I know things have maybe not been as perfect as they could be, but you are loved, you are worthy, you are more than enough. And if you need to sit down, relax, and catch your breath, it's okay. Take just a few moments. Say whatever words you need to hear. Talk to yourself as if you're talking to a young child. And be okay with that. You know, give yourself some grace in this moment. And then take a deep breath in. 
expanding your lungs, expanding yourself until you feel it all the way down to your toes. And then exhale through your mouth. There you go, good job. Do that as many times as you need to. And if you need to pause this right now because you just need to sit with yourself and tell yourself good things and how proud you are of yourself, take time to do that. You're listening to Breathe, the podcast. In our next segment, Nicole and I explore kind of the idea or concept of finding the therapist that works for you, so your mental health professional. One thing that I struggled with for a long time um, in going to different therapy assignments, (laughs) what have you. Yeah, we need to come back to that one. Okay, Mm -hmm. don't write anything down. But one thing I struggled with was really trying to find a connection mm-hmm. and meet somebody who I felt like I could be open with because right to our last point, you, you have to be able to be there. And, and you have to feel safe. Yeah. So safety is huge. So how um, do you have any tips and tricks as to how to make sure you're finding that connection? If you are a person who needs care and you're looking, sometimes it takes a few different people right and I think that's a huge barrier is people think just calling and reaching out for help I'm going to get it and then they go and they're like yeah nope this isn't right for me instead of just like okay maybe this person was just not a good fit for me not that they're a bad therapist or there's anything wrong with them we're just not a fit for everybody and you have to find that person for you you have to go shopping for a therapist it's not likely you're gonna find it the first time that's brilliant Mm-hmm. So prepare yourself for shopping. Yes. I hate shopping. Okay. So well. <laughs> I know, right? But if you needed a coat in the winter, you would go out until you found Amazon. one. Even if you hated it. Okay. So Amazon, but then you can get a therapist at home too. Yes. You can click, you can do virtual. You can. It's all there. One of the benefits of COVID access to telehealth. Right. Okay. So there were some benefits. Yes. Silver linings. Yes. Ah. But yes, I always encourage people to look around. Find somebody that's a good fit for you. And I think you'll know it when you find it. I agree. I do think people go in, you know, when they finally get up the guts, all right, let's just talk about this. I finally got up the guts. I made the phone call or I looked on the internet. I did filled Mm -hmm. out a thing and now I've got an appointment and sometimes a month later, right? Right. Depending on how busy everything is. And then you finally sit down. And so you, I mean, let's just talk about how many spoons of energy that took. So much, especially if you're already dealing with depression or anxiety. Exactly. That was art. Because if I'm in perfect mental health and I'm like, you know, I can see 12 months from now, I'm going to meet someone. Like, wouldn't that be the charm, right? It like, would. I'm going to start coming to you in September because next December, boy, howdy. Well, I guess if you know your pattern of triggers, holidays are hard. That's true. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. But in terms of we've just utilized all that energy Mm -hmm. and now we're seeing somebody and it's day one. And let's be honest, I would say 90% of therapists on your day one 
go through the list that you have already triggered yourself filling out. Right. Right. And it's heavy and it's weighty. And they're just, it, sometimes it can feel like they're checking boxes. Which a lot of times they are though, right? Is that like just they, necessary? I mean, we have to figure out what is going on. Are we going to be a good fit for you? Do your symptoms that you're experiencing, do we have the knowledge and experience to treat? But I think clients also can come in with that checklist too. Like, do you mark the boxes on what I feel like I need from a therapist? And it can go both ways. I think people just have to be prepared for, I guess, the work that goes into finding somebody that's a good fit because it is a long-term commitment. Have I told you lately you're brilliant? (laughs) All the time. You go in day one and your checklist is almost based on feelings, right? Yes. So do I feel like this person will help? Mm -hmm. Do I feel like we can have a trusting relationship? You kind of want to check your inner self to like, do I feel unsafe? Right. Do I feel calm or do I feel anxious? If you're feeling anxious, like it's just probably not going to work. Like your body's telling you something that we don't feel... Super comfortable here. Is there anything else that you think? Because, I mean, I think those are good tips. Like, okay. Rather than, and what do you say? Two, three times? Like, if it hasn't, if it hasn't started to mesh after three times. Right. The first time you might not know yet because you are. You're nervous, right? Mm-hmm. You're answering questions. It might feel more like an interview. Okay. Yeah. Give it two, three sessions see where it goes, see if that anxiety starts to come down a little bit as you start working with them and getting to know them. And then I think you will know after that. Nice. I think that's practical. I think it, if it's not, it needs to be. Do you still love your job? Do I still love my job? I probably love it now more than ever. Really? (laughs) You're welcome. I would like to take on all of the blame for that. I think once you get more comfortable and confident in your techniques and approaches to therapy, you start to love it more. I think like fresh out of school when you're really unsure about yourself and the skills, it's like, oh my gosh, is this job for me? But you know, I think that aligns with what we were talking about pre-recording, which is when you know yourself. Right. Right. When you know yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like, it doesn't have to be perfect. Right. That we it's can just, own up. this is what I bring to the table. Mm-hmm. It may not be perfect for you and it may not be perfect for the situation, but it's what I bring. Right. And so it's okay. It's the right thing. Mm-hmm. And then you think of people that are just starting out, probably in any career that's like, I don't know what I'm doing. Is this the right thing? The wrong thing? And how do you take accountability for all of that? How do you be like, I don't know anything and I'm sorry. But now you're confident in your career and it's like, hey, I can acknowledge that that wasn't like, you know, the most appropriate thing to say or the best thing to do in that situation. Let's kind of, you know, take a step back and try again. Yeah. We are coming up on the holidays. Mm -hmm. Do you have any words of wisdom? I know you do, but is there anything you could share that just might be helpful? For the holidays? Yeah. There's a lot, but I just think say like, no. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That was a big one, though, is like setting boundaries with 
family members, mm-hmm. with even yourself in situations that might be uncomfortable or challenging. Ask for help if you need it. But I think the holidays are just, it's hard because the entire family is together. There's probably some conflict or just anxiety about being with certain people. And you don't have to be around certain people if it makes you uncomfortable or setting boundaries with, I'm only going to stay two hours or until my anxiety is at a six and then it's going to be time for me to go and take care of myself. The holidays don't have to be about making everybody happy. I think two profound things are, okay, I'm only going to stay in this situation until my anxiety is at a six Mm -hmm. or four, right? Whatever it is that you can handle. So set yourself that limit and know what it is. And then just be okay with yourself saying to everybody, I'm stepping out. Mm -hmm. Say to your spouse, I'm walking away. I need to be out of this situation. Yep. And that's that's it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Your parent, whatever, whoever that person is, that is going to come looking for you when you go to take your nap, right? right. Let that person know I'm ta- I'm going out for a little bit. I'm not going to be here mm-hmm. or I'm leaving the house, whatever it is, yeah. because we need to a keep you safe. So if you've set that boundary, I think it's important. Would you agree to share with somebody having a safe person there? That a kind safe of person. Knows. Yes. It's always beneficial to have a safe person. Yes. And then the second thing was, I'm staying for two hours. <laughs> I'm leaving after that regardless. Right. So have a plan, have something that you need to get to. Let people know kind of ahead of time so it's not this surprise when you just get up and disappear from a room. Yeah. Yeah. So setting those boundaries is really important. So we implement the blind date theory. My best friend is going to know. You're going to text yeah. me in three hours. And if yeah, if you haven't heard from me, text me and have an emergency. Yes, there you go. Oh, I've got to go. The mashed potatoes are burned. Correct. Boom. So the safe person doesn't even need to be at the event with you. Just somebody that knows. It's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. I love that. You can create a plan. Create a safe plan for yourself. That is so smart. What fabulous information. Thank you so much, Nicole. I can't wait for you to come back and be a frequent guest on Breathe, the podcast. Thank you all for listening, for tuning in again. I appreciate you and I thank you so much. Make sure you share this podcast with anybody who might benefit from it. Maybe somebody just, you know, you know they're having a stressed out moment and they need to take a breath. This could be the very thing that helps them. So I appreciate your sharing, your liking, your following, and your being a friend. I would love to hear, I you know, are there mental health questions that you have? Or is there something you just need to have normalized and know you're not alone in this journey? Well, hey, here's a place we can com- converse about it, have the discussions in an open and un- um non-threatening way. I guess that's what I want to say, a non-threatening way. So make sure you respond, you you let me know what your thoughts and what you need in order for this to meet your goals and desires and, uh, and fulfill you. As always, it is my pleasure to be along with you on this journey we call life. 
to see how um, we can benefit one another, be there for one another, and take a moment to breathe. I am thankful for you. It is Gratitude Week. And so um, as you celebrate with your friends, your family this week, just remember to prioritize yourself. It doesn't mean they're not important. It doesn't mean nobody else matters. What it means is that you matter too. So take time to prioritize yourself. Have yourself a wonderful and relaxing, spacious week of gratitude. Until next week, you've been listening to Breathe, the podcast.